AEW's back on schedule, and so am I? Does that work as an intro? What's going on, everybody? It's your buddy, it's your pal, Spass Phoenix, the YWC Reality Check, here with your Wednesday, October 27th, AEW Dynamite review, and yes, I've taken a week off of AEW, because doing this is a lot harder without the co-hosts that I am lucky enough to have, and there was a lot of stuff that went down last week. There was Crown Jewel, and yes, there's stuff to come out of that. There was Bound for Glory, where Moose ripped all of our hearts out. There was Halloween Havoc last night, which was a lot of fun. And you know at least one person from AEW tonight was watching last night's show. So that's uh, that's fun. The Halloween Havoc show, I want to do a quick thing on. It was just fun. Yes, I'm a huge fan of Toxic Attraction, and they picked up two titles in one night. Yes, I'm happy that Io Shirai is still alive after that fucking bump in the ladder match. Um, the Haunted House was was fun. The Gargano and Loomis and, and uh, Trick and Carmelo and all that sort of thing. And then we're going to get the matches we want after that. And really surprised that they didn't go with Braun Breaker. Uh, the Chucky stuff was fun. The co the two co-hosts thing with uh, Waller and, uh, and Knight was a little bit on the lame side. Could have done without it. I mean... Diamond Mine are still awesome. But, yeah, getting back, circling around back to the point, uh, knocked out the previews for all three of those pay-per-views last week, and something had to give. Plus, I went to see Dune last Friday, and there was actually Bound for Glory on uh, on Saturday night, so I wasn't going to wait till the end of Bound for Glory and then do the Dynamite review. That wouldn't have made... That wouldn't have made any sense, and big surprise, surprise, Cody got the final victory over Malachi Black, at least in the short in the short term. Battle for Glory was a lot of fun as well. Nice to see the debut of the inspiration, um, the, mat, the main event between Christian Cage and uh, Josh Alexander was really great, until it wasn't, and I'm going to go see Josh Alexander not with any impact gold around his waist as he defends the Destiny Championship. Check it out for Spass Phoenix Buckle List against Doc Gallows this coming Halloween night. So, yeah, uh, Dynamite's back on Wednesday. I'm here with you. Thought I might get Guapo on here. Didn't end up being the case. Uh, might be doing a little bit extra stuff with Guapo, but I don't even want to promise that at this point because... Everybody else's schedule seems to not like me. And I'm not saying that as a poor me. I am, as I say, as I always say, I'm very lucky to have the co-hosts that I have. But, you know, shit just doesn't go in your favor sometimes. And uh, on a separate note, as always, uh, continued uh, love and support and shout out to our buddy Jake DeMarco. Uh, go show him some love over at Countdown Ended. And let's get into tonight's show because I've rambled on for quite a long time. We started off the show with a sign in the crowd that said AEW is going to bring the tricks and the treats. Yep. Yep, yep. That's a sign that would have shown up on Nitro. That's a sign that would have showed up on TNA. That's a sign that would have showed up on Raw. SmackDown, that's a, show, a sign that would have shown up on NXT. NXT 2.0! And now made its way to Dynamite. So, congratulations, cheesy, cheesy... Wrestling puns are always good. CM Punk versus Bobby Fish, speaking of things that are good, look at that transition, was your first match of the night. Punk was out in the long boys, because apparently that's a topic of conversation, whether he's wearing long tights or short tights. I still think Punk in long wrestling gear is weird, because how many years did we see him in, in the trunks? And WWE and roddy, 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 roddy. Now we got here because he came... 
and he saved Anthony Green last week from a beatdown from Bobby Fish. No real explanation as to why is there a is there a is there a connection between Anthony Green and CM Punk that we just don't know about? Is it just that Punk looked at Fish and said, "Eh, fancy a match with him." Cool. Uh, apparently, Bobby Fish. Um, sent out some sort of insult to CM Punk on one of the shows that I don't watch because I don't think, hey, there goes the lights, nice and early. Um, Bobby Fish sent him an insult out on one of the shows that I don't watch because I, as I always say, do not believe that a wrestling company should give you homework. But this was a great match, and there was a friendly... And I'm going to have to try really hard to explain this because this is going to sound messed up, what I'm about to say. This was a friendly match between wrestlers. And I don't mean the characters that we were seeing on screen. I mean, Fish is a veteran. Punk is a veteran. Neither one of them rushed into anything. Neither one of them hesitated with anything. And they just went at it like they were making dinner. Like, it was the most natural thing in the world. Like, let's just, let's just pop out a quick banger, because that's just something we want to do today. And, I mean, the, the intensity did go up eventually, and neither one of them held back, and all that sort of thing, uh, and it takes me back to what people used to say, because I didn't see a whole lot of uh, Terry, like I saw Chainsaw Charlie when he made his way to WWE, but I didn't see a lot of Terry Funk in his heyday, I didn't see a lot of the Terry Funk McFoley rivalry, but people always used to say you could tell they respected each other by how hard they hit each other, and this match kind of worked like that, because on the one hand, it was a really great match, and they were really putting putting something on, like they were putting on something special, as two veteran wrestlers would, but at the same time, it looked like it was nothing for them. So, character-wise, I'm not sure what we're supposed to take from this, because CM Punk is obviously a little bit of an arrogant dick, and, and Bobby Fish is the guy that just comes in and, and beats everybody up. Eventually, it does become a story about Punk's leg, though, and I do want to do wanna point out Bobby Fish doing a really cool thing here, because he did a lot of submission stuff, and, you know, once you got him in the ropes, you know, you do the thing where you drape the foot over the rope, and you work it, and, uh, put in some locks, put in some uh, temporary submissions, etc. Or you can stomp on the leg, and that's the other thing. You just stomp on the kneecap, you stomp on the shin, etc. But what he did, right in the middle of a striking exchange, is he let out a really stiff kick and kicked out the leg. And it told a bit of a different story because it was still working on the leg, but it was one instance of, yeah, I'm fucking up your leg and look how much that that uh, takes out the rest of your body because not only did he kick his leg out not only did that more do more thing to his leg but as he kicked the leg out from under him punk ate shit on the on the canvas it was really really good and I mean, the, the match was only going to end one way. Bobby Fish is brand new to the company, but CM Punk is CM Punk. So, Desperation GTS that was sold by Punk, you know, did the old uh, commentator cliche, it's going to hurt him as much as his opponent, and it looked like it did, because he basically flopped down on, he flopped down on him like a fish. A. Um, for the win. I will say, and I think I've said this before, and I'll probably end up saying it again, this, this CM Punk, I'm just happy to be here tour, like I'm going to, just have matches with people that I'm going to have great matches with. Awesome. There is a little bit of... Always, there is a little bit of house show in AEW. There's a lot of stories. There's a lot of interweaving, long-term storytelling, which in some cases is just stories that have gone on for a long time. But there is a cool house show, wouldn't it just be cool if this guy fought this guy? Like, Daniel Bryan didn't come into AEW and get a title match right away, but he did get a match with Kenny Omega right away. And that's something you would put on, like, the biggest house show imaginable. I made the comparison last week. 
in my uh, Crown Jewel review. And yes, I know Crown Jewel is a controversial pay-per-view. Uh, Crown Jewel is a gigantic house show that happens on the other side of the world. But look at that card. If that house show came to your city, you would go and see it, especially for the Hell in the Cell match, which ended up being really good. I could go on a tangent, but I won't. Uh, Seth Rollins is great, and even though people love him, he's still underrated. It's fine. I like the fact that him and his wife are dressing the same, even though they're in completely different storylines. It's fine. And Charlotte Flair is not a bad guy for sticking up for herself and knowing her position in the company, so anybody that thinks she is can uh, have two of those. Um, getting back to this, though, there is a, a cool house show feel to some of the AEW content, and I'm sure that happens on Dark and Dark Elevation, but once again, I don't think a wrestling company should give you homework, so I don't watch Dark, and I don't watch Dark Elevation, and I don't watch Being the Elite, and I don't watch Brandy Rhodes' self-indulgent cooking show, and I don't listen to uh, Colt Cabana's podcast, and I don't listen to the Aubrey Edwards and whatever she does podcast. I watch the shows. Give me a show on television, and I will watch it. Yes, do I have to stream Rampage because TSN is weird up here in Canada? But yes, it's still a TV show. Um, that's it. That's all. It's um, it's a very like I say. Uh, CM Punk is encapsulating this whole house show thing. Yeah, I'm gonna have a match with Danny Garcia. Yeah, I'm gonna have a match with Powerhouse Hobbs. Yeah, you guys all love Darby Allen. Why don't I have my first match with him? That is going to wear thin. Eventually. Eventually, CM Punk has to have a story. Right now, CM Punk's story is he's facing everybody. Eventually, his story has to be he's got an issue with X. And uh, I don't know, because it's it's crowded at the top in NXT. And everybody feels like a star, which is good. It's kind of the opposite of WWE, where you try to elevate somebody and they don't feel like a star because they don't they don't do that very well. Imagine when they lose Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, and we don't really need to go there. But bottom line, I want—I like CM Punk. I like what CM Punk's doing. I like that he's sort of fleshing out all these different uh, elements. Like he had a big—he uh, had a nice technical match with Garcia. He had a nice technical match here as well. He had a bit more of a brawl with Powerhouse Hobbs, and he had what I called his superstar match uh, at the pay-per-view with. Darby Allen. So he's showing everything that he can do. He's going, he's basically doing the CM Punk welcome back to her, and I'm happy to see it. I'm not begrudging. The, the guy was gone for seven years, and it wasn't because of injury. Um, I don't know. Just give him a story. Eventually tell him to pick a story. Eventually give let him, let him write his own ticket. That's fine. I have no problem with that, but I would love to see CM Punk in an actual rivalry soon, because I need to hear him on the microphone not in a commentary capacity and not in a, hey, I'm Phil and I'm happy to be here capacity. I need to see CM Punk being a dick uh, because his first two initials are the same as my first two initials. And yes, I know his first initials are not actually CM, but we're going to go with it. Anyways, we go to the back and we see Malachi Black doing exactly what Alistair Black used to do in WWE, but because it's in AEW, everybody loves it, including me. I'm not putting myself out of that equation, including me. He basically narrates over the first three matches with Cody, and as he comes down to the third, the match that he lost against Cody last week, he basically ends off the narration with, Cody, did you really think this thing between you and me was about pinfalls? Which totally ripped the balls off of Cody's win last week, which made me really, really happy. I really like Malachi Black. I, uh, I like 
the stuff that's new and different since he's joined AEW as much as I love the elements that he brought from the Aleister Black character in WWE, because if you don't admit that some of that is still there, then you're lying to yourself. And you know who would come and tell you off for lying to yourself? Somebody like MJF. MJF came out with Sean Spears and Wardlow. Sean Spears has got his chair. Sean Spears and Wardlow had that weird thing last week with MJF where he said... Uh, he couldn't really trust Wardlow, so Spears is going to be his accountability buddy, which is ripped right from South Park, so I popped for that. He's facing Bryce Donovan. Who? The match went less than a minute. He hits him with the Heat Seeker and gets the win. He starts running down Boston. Did I mention they're in Boston this week? No, I didn't. He went on to say that all he does is pin shoulders to the mat and take home ring rats, but he's not going to do that here in Boston because he'd rather stick his dick in a blender than fuck anybody from Boston, which is fine. He runs down Darby Allen. People start chanting random bullshit at him, and he has the greatest line in the world. It's great because it actually made no sense at all, uh, if you think about it logically, but he says, I'm sorry, I can't hear any of you over the sound of my money. I love that. That was really good. He's basically looking past Darby Allen. He called his shot, then he didn't show up for the match, obviously, because he had the shit beat out of him by Pinnacle in masks, but that's fine. He wants to face the winner of Omega versus Page at full gear, which doesn't make any sense because they're doing the Eliminator tournament to figure out who's going to face him next, and it's going to be Daniel Bryan, but we don't need to talk about that right now. He does a fake out with the Sting music, but then uh, the lights go out again. There's a weird Darby video. He puts somebody with MJF's face through a table during somebody else's concert, it looked like. I'm really, really not sure. Uh, Sting actually shows up in the ring. He hits Sean Spears in the back, but Sean Spears is kind of holding the, the steel chair behind him like it's a, like a one-strap backpack. So Sting initially just hits the chair with the bat, I don't know, and then Darby Allen is in the crowd in a trench coat, because of course he is. He comes into the ring after MJF has left the ring, they beat the shit out of Spears and Wardlow, and then he attacks him with a thumbtack covered, uh, not baseball bat, skateboard, but it's a skateboard with no tracks on it. It does say Death Wish on the bottom, so that's cool, and then he lays down the challenge that we all knew was coming for full gear. This segment as a whole was fucking fantastic. MJF came in, mistreated some nobody, did the Heat Seeker, got the win, ran down everybody, ran down Darby, set himself up some challengers in the future, like Omega, Paige, whoever wins the Eliminator. Um, he does the Sting fake out and then gets faked out because he thinks there's another fake out. We get the uh, return of Darby. We get Darby with his weapon, which is a skateboard with no wheels, which is weird. He's going to do that spine grind thing on him at full it's good that's good that that's a match that's going to be stepped up is it not um we go to the back there's an interview with Britt baker now i don't know when we're supposed to see the stuff from the jericho cruise because they're already talking about it in past tense like it's already happened but it hasn't hit tv as far as i know unless they're doing the jericho cruise as an episode of dark which would be really shitty, uh, or they're just going to leave it alone. But apparently, Britt Baker was supposed to have a match with Abaddon, of all people, and she walked out. So Tony Khan, Tony Schiavone, sorry, has to deliver the message from Tony Khan that um, you have a no-disqualification match with Abaddon this Friday on Rampage. Hey, it's close to Halloween, so we get the zombie chick, and I'm, it's, I'm all good with that. And if she wins, she gets a title shot down the line. So that's going to be fun. Uh, Britt Baker's going to win. 
they're going to have a bloody match like she had with uh, with Thunder Rosa. It's going to be very Halloween themed, and if the end of tonight is any is any indication, then it's going to be very very Halloween themed, being two days away from Halloween. And I have no problem with this. I like it. You guys know me. I like the fucked up shit. It's kind of a bummer to me. The supposedly Tony Khan doesn't really like the spooky stuff. Didn't even really like the broken Matt Hardy stuff. So anytime I see something like Abaddon. I'm gonna take an opportunity because I don't. I have. I have no illusions here, guys. I don't think she's ever gonna get the title. I don't even think she's gonna win this contenders challenge match thing. But I don't understand. And maybe somebody can uh, tell me down in the box below or or give me a different point of view on this. I don't understand how you can be down on all the spooky shit and yet you've got a guy whose entire gimmick is he doesn't care about wrestling. You've got a dinosaur. You've got. The, the Bear Brothers, the Bear Bronsons, whatever, you've got an alien, I just, I don't know, I don't know where the, where the line is, because you guys know, I love the spooky shit, I, I love the Undead Bridesmaids on Impact, I, I like Havoc, or sorry, I like, um, well, Havoc's one of them, I like Decay, I want Decay to invade AEW, um, do something with Abaddon, you've got a character that unique, let it be something. Let her, let her have a mid-card title feud. Let her let her be the first challenger for whoever becomes the eventual TBS champion, uh, which we all know is going to be Ruby Rose. Or sorry, not Ruby Rose, not Ruby Riot. Ruby Soho. There we go. I'm very very tired, and we're only 17 minutes into the review. It's going well. I'm looking forward to Rampage. I'm uh, actually by the end of the night, I will tell you that I am very much looking forward to two out of three matches we're getting on Rampage this Friday. Can you guess which one doesn't make the list? Anyways, TNT title match: Sammy Guevara versus Ethan Page, and there's a whole lot of other stipulations on here as well. As Sammy Guevara wins, not only does he retain his championship, obviously, but he gets the match that the Inner Circle wants at full gear. It's Inner Circle versus Ethan Page, Scorpio Sky, and whoever they want to face from American Top Team. I think they're going to do something funny like make Dan Lambert one of the choices so that they can just slap Dan Lambert around. I'm fine with that. Uh, if he had lost his title, which he didn't, spoiler alert, um, he would have lost his title to Ethan Page. Ethan Page would be the new champion, obviously, but also it would have split him from the Inner Circle. And they've done this a couple of times now. I don't know how you enforce that because they're just a group of friends. You 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 want to play parent and be like, I beat you for your title, and now you're not allowed not allowed to hang out with your friend anymore. I, it's never a stipulation that really works. I kind of get it because they're dickheads, or whatever. I don't like. We're gonna get this big five on five match, and it's gonna be. I mean, Jericho and and the Inner Circle are gonna make it fun. Sky and and Paige are good. The Dan Lambert th stuff is running really really thin, and I don't care about MMA. So that's my rundown on that. I don't like that we're using the TNT title and a TNT title match as a stepping stone to this random pile of people match because that makes that makes the TNT title an afterthought. And here's here's what most people aren't thinking of. They are whether they say it out loud or not, they are modeling the TBS championship for the women after the already existing success of the TNT title for the men. And if they make that title look really, really secondary and really, really shabby, what are we supposed to think about the TBS title? I know they're not directly connected, but there is, there is, um, some s synchronizing between the two titles. I'm not using the right word, but, uh, you've really got a title, or so you've really got a tournament right now going for the female version of this exact title. So I think it behooves AEW 
as that tournament is going on, as those women fight for that belt, to keep this belt looking strong, to set the precedent, to set the template for that title. Does that make sense? I hope it does, because I'm going to talk about the match now. Uh, Sammy rushes the ring in the beginning with a double leg and beats him down. They go to the outside, and they have a pre-match brawl that lasts quite a while. And hey, guess what? Tony Nice is in the crowd. They did this last week, and where they, or sorry, last week where they focused on him weirdly amount, and then they had him. He was apparently on an episode of Dark or Dark Elevation. Again, don't watch it. Don't believe wrestling companies should give you homework. But just say that he's with AEW. Tony Nice, Tony Nice, and his tiny knees are all elite, and he's going to go after. Sammy Guevara, he's going to be the next challenger or whatever. Uh, there's a couple of interesting individual spots in this match. Ethan Page is great. Sammy Guevara is better. And the two of them together put this match on really, really well. There was a, there was a move in this where you figure a backbreaker, any given backbreaker, uh, Roderick Strong, Messiah of the backbreaker, etc., you, you have that, that point of impact in the backbreaker where the back bows, but you're, you're doing it on the ground. He caught Ethan Page at one point with a drop kick in midair to the small of the back that looked like a supercharged backbreaker in midair. Now, Page's response to this was to give him his own backbreaker on the turnbuckle bolt, which looked like it wrecked. And then an inside-out shooting star press by Sammy Guevara was just fucking gorgeous because that's what he does. Uh, really, really really aggressive pinning reversal sequence and finally a jackknife pin gets the win for Sammy Guevara post-match because the rules no longer apply nobody was allowed at ringside for the match Sky comes out for the beatdown for the two-on-one beatdown on Sammy Guevara he gets chased off by the entire fucking inner circle so here's your water gun here's your grenade this is this is what's happening um they talk about full gear, they talk about how Paige, Sky, and whoever they choose from American Top Team, which they're going to announce next week, um, is, going, is now going to be a street fight, and he makes and Jericho makes some joke about Ethan Page jerking off, to which Ethan Page pulls out his jacket and covers up his crotch like he's been jerking off right then. Doesn't really make sense, weird flex, but okay. And my clipboard doesn't work, so watch me struggle with pieces of paper. There we go. Friday night on Rampage, we are continuing the AEW World Championship Challenger Eliminator Tournament thing with Kingston versus Danielson. And Kingston is rightfully pissed off that Danielson sort of put down his, his work ethic, etc. And he tells him off, and he tells him what he's been through, and he storms off. And Danielson, who I think is supposed to be the babyface, is super condescending for about a minute straight in the back and it just it doesn't hit it doesn't hit right at all lucha brothers who are still the aew uh tag team champions put out a challenge to ftr for full gear for their aew ch titles now there's there's a weird dichotomy here because they just lost one set of titles to ftr because ftr came out and decided to be the super frogs so to get another chance at them they're putting up another set of titles so they could walk out with nothing. I get that that's the super babyface thing to do. It's fine, but it is what it is. Serena Deeb versus Hikaru Shida in the TBS Women's Title Tournament, which has buys in it, apparently. Serena Deeb versus Hikaru Shida, is conti they're continuing this weird Serena Deeb cost her her 50th match thing which doesn't make sense. They're treating it like Serena Deeb cheating to beat her or doing whatever she did a couple weeks ago put Hikaru Shida back to zero. You're going to have a win. 
it's going to be your 50th win. You didn't lose your 50th win. You didn't lose the chance to get a 50th win. You lost a match. You didn't get your 50th win that night. You could have gone and faced a jobber on one of the shows that I don't watch because wrestling shouldn't give you homework, and you could have gotten your 50th win. It's fine. Sheeta uh, Malls are in the early going, and you figure, okay, eventually Serena Deeb, the the evil, cunning veteran, is going to fight back. But no, she mauls her for most of the match. Um, Sheeta brawls, brawls her out to the outside at one point, and she goes to do the... Um, that springboard spot that she does off the chair, and she, uh, Serena Deeb takes the chair away. Is like, oh, I'm going to take your springboard away, and you can't possibly do a springboard to me off of anything else. And she just does it off the steps instead, which is great. Ring post figure four by Serena Deeb was great because she was dressed in pink and black, and they even touched on that on commentary. I like that. That was a nice touch. Um, Serena Deeb went to hit her with the trophy again. Uh, Hikaru Shida got the trophy back. They had the big, big. Uh, Babyface struggles morally moment and gets eye poked and almost rolled up. She hits the reversal off of the near fall and gets the win. So we did a couple of things here. She goes on to face Nyla Rose in the next round. Nyla Rose got a bye because politics. Uh, she also gets her 50th win and doesn't get celebrated for that 50th win because apparently she could have only gotten that 50th win a couple weeks ago when they had this match before. Doesn't make sense. Post-match, Serena Deeb destroys her leg and then destroys her leg with a chair. So that's a story going forward, which makes me really, really nervous that Nyla Rose is going to win her first match in this tournament, which really doesn't seem fair. I mean, I get that she's a heel. I don't get, don't get me wrong on that. I don't like Nyla Rose. I think Nyla Rose is boring as shit, and if politics wasn't a thing, she wouldn't have a job. But Let's uh, let's let's deal with what we have. She gets a bye in the first round, and then she gets an injured opponent in the second round. Like, I really don't want to see Nyla Rose in the final. It's fine. Dante Martin is going to take on Matt Seidel again on Rampage, and this is all set up by Leo Rush because Matt Seidel's brother is not fit to compete. I think the implication is that Leo Rush made sure he wasn't fit to compete because he's delaying his own uh, debut on the show. But here's the thing. Dante Martin is boring as fuck. I would really love to see Matt Seidel versus Leo Rush. I don't need to see Dante Martin on my TV ever again. Oh, yes. Uh, Mox took on 10 from the Dark Order, and he killed him. Not only did he kill him in the ring, he took him out, and he brawled with him on the outside, tore his mask, and bit his face until it bled. Paradigm shift, Mox gets the win, and he's going on to face Orange Cassidy in the next round. Not really much to take from this. FTR accept the challenge from the Lucha Brothers and, you know, top guys out and all that kind of thing. No mention of the AAA titles. I think um, AEW are missing a real open goal here by advertising this as a title-for-title title sort of winner-take-all scenario. Um, I think there's a little bit... I think you... I mean, I don't know much about AAA. I won't pretend that I do. Uh, but I think you suck in the AAA audience as well if both titles are on the line, if a team can walk out as a double champion. Um, and people will say, oh, well, why would you put all the titles on one person? Well, until FTR came along as the Super Frogs and took them from Lucha Brothers, they were carrying both titles and only carried the AAA titles on Impact, or sorry, on uh, Dynamite or Rampage when it was part of the story. The rest of the time they were left in the back. It's kind of like, and I'm not even taking the piss here, um, when Kenny Omega had all the belts, when he had the two Impact titles and the AAA title and the thing, and uh, the AEW championship, he carried them all out. And then it became really sporadic whether he had the AAA title with him or not, and then he lost the Impact title, and now he just carries the AEW title. Somebody, again, correct me down in the box below, he's still the AAA champion, is he not? 
why is he not defending the AAA title against anybody? I know he defended it against Andrade on one of their shows, but again, I don't think a wrestling company should give you homework. Moving on, moving swiftly on, I really hope eventually between now and Full Gear, which because we've still got a couple of weeks, I really hope that this does become a title versus because it's just an easy advertising thing. It's a little... I mean, these two guys versus these two guys. It's a match. You like this team. You like this team. It's going to be a good match. There's a, a certain prop feeling of, okay, the AEW titles are on the line. Now it's a bigger deal. Now you've got an additional set of titles on the line because both of them hold belts. Winner take all. It doesn't change the match. It doesn't change the talents involved in the match, but it changes the narrative, the perspective, the whatever you want to call it. Um, Cody comes out, and let me let me tell you, he cuts this weird pseudo-shoot promo about how his Tiger Driver 97 on Malachi Black last week was almost a pedigree, except he doesn't say pedigree. And then he literally goes into a John Cena, I will never turn heel promo. And I tuned all the way out until Andrade came out and saved the segment. Now, I, you will never hear me say that Andrade is great on the mic, but he saved this segment for damn sure. Um, he says, the people don't like you. He says, your tattoo is stupid. Uh, he says, you never, sh you never should have gotten my way, and I'm about to make you my bitch. He gets in the ring just in time for the lights to turn out, and Aleister Black to appear, or sorry, Malachi Black to appear beside him. That's a cool team. Andrade and Malachi, great team. Uh, they're going to take out Cody Rhodes for reasons, and I think it's kind of cool that uh, Andrade came out and said, yeah, these people don't like me either, but there's a there's a big difference between how they don't like me and how they don't like you. And I'm like, that's fucking brilliant. Why did nobody ever say that to John Cena? Why did, like, uh, why did nobody ever say that to John Cena? That would have been so good. And then the save is made by Pac. And, yeah, because the enemy of my enemy is my friend's enemies, friend's enemies, friends. Now, I listened to a little bit of the... If you guys don't know who Good Mike Work is on YouTube, you should know who Good Mike Work is on YouTube. He's a much bigger name on here than I am. If you don't, if you've been living under a rock, go check out uh, Good Mike Work, a.k.a. Greg Morgan. He does live AEW watch-alongs, and I decided to be a little bit of a dick in the chat, and I just put a little super chat in his, in his chat, and I just said, wow, look at that. I mean, you got Stardust and Neville and Aleister Black. <laughs> and Andrade Cien Almas. This is the best episode of Raw ever. Um, is this recycled WWE? Yes, it is. You, you can dress it up any way you like. It is recycled WWE. Here's the thing. It also kicks ass a little bit. So I don't care. Pack is established. Cody's a boss. Andrade and Malachi are guys that they really need to get over. Malachi Black, they're already putting over pretty strong. I think Andrade, they've realized that they've staggered with him. So them as a team, I think are going to go over. Um, I think eventually you're going to get on, I think you get Andrade versus Cody next week, actually. Um, if that leads to eventually the tag team match, and then eventually we get Malachi Black versus Pac, and just like, who can be the bigger bastard, no pun intended, I'm, I'm 100% in for that. If this makes it to the pay-per-view and it becomes a Fatal 4-Way, even better. I will accept the existence of Cody Rhodes in that match if we get that Fatal 4-Way. If he comes out with a painted face and relives, you know, some of his old Stardust glory, all the better. Um, I don't know. In the middle of his promo, he also, like, kissed ass to 
the members of the Nightmare family and kissed ass to Arn Anderson and said, oh, I, I went a little bit Hollywood there for a second. It's like, okay, so you've dropped a Cena reference, you've dropped a Triple H reference, and you've dropped a Hogan reference. Would, would you like to borrow anything else from WWE, you fucking Triple H wannabe? Moving on. Dark Order versus the Super Elite was incredibly dumb, and I loved it. <laughs> Dark Order came out, they were all in costumes. Colt Cabana was dressed as Brandon Cutler, which was pretty damn good. They came out riding a horse, which was good. They had uh, a couple of... Why? The light hates me. The light just doesn't want to stay. There we go. Uh, they all came out in costumes. Uh, literally, Stu Grayson came... I, I'm not a gamer person, but Kratos from Game uh, God of War is is the name I think he came out as Kratos from God of War and yes it does fit his natural character a little bit better but it's literally what Tommaso Ciampa did last night when he defended the NXT 2.0 championship at Halloween I don't think it's called the 2.0 championship but it's literally what he wore or what he came out as for Halloween for Havoc for his title match where he defended successfully against Braun Breaker who was getting made fun of by Chucky. We don't need to talk about it. It's fine. Uh, so AEW once again directly ripping off uh, NXT makes me a little bit happy. The Super Elite came out as the Ghostbusters because of course they did and this match was ridiculous. This match, uh, much as I say about NXT 2.0 these days, what the fuck fever dream am I watching? But what the fuck, Fever Dream am I watching in a good way? The, you can say whatever you want about the match. Uh, what's his name? Uh, John Johnny Hungy came out like dressed as a deer, obviously making fun of the Bucks. As I said, uh, Cole Cabana was out there dressed as um, Brandon Cutler. And the other ones were just dressed as cowboys and, and Kratos. Or sorry, Evil Uno was dressed as a cowboy. The cowboy hat thing over the mask is always going to pop me. It, it just will. Uh, and then, like I say, Stu Grayson ripping off Tommaso Ciampa from Halloween Havoc was, was good. And the match was was what it was. I mean, the Dark Order exists to perpetuate the the uh, Hangman Page, Kenny Omega story, which is fine, and they play their role really, really well. There was a four... There was a four-person nut shot... Uh, once the referee was down, the Ghostbusters put on their proton packs, which popped me, and all of them backed into their opponents with the proton packs, and then they suplexed, I think, Colt Cabana onto all four of the proton packs, which was fine. They hit a four-way BTE trigger on the horse until they realized that the guy in the horse costume was actually Brandon Cutler with a gag in his mouth, which I think they ripped that directly off of V for Vendetta when they're trying to find V, and the person that they thought was V was actually another dude with a V mask on and a gag in his mouth, so he couldn't sing. And then it's revealed that hiding in the Mr. Stay Puffed that came out with the Ghostbusters, so I popped for that. Um, sorry, I should say, the Ghostbusters came out with Mr. Stay Puffed, and I'm guessing it was Michael Nakazawa in a giant baby costume. Uh, but Mr. Stay Puffed was not, in fact, Brandon Cutler, because Brandon Cutler was in the horse costume. Takes the head off, and it's Hangman Page. And I will say, the where this all falls apart is... He's in an inflatable Mr. Stapoff costume. He takes the head off, but he's still got the rest of the big inflated Mr. Stapoff body. And here's Adam Cole, or sorry, Ad, not Adam Page. Adam Cole's somewhere else. Um, Adam Page trying to look all pissed off and serious. Well, from the neck down, he's still Mr. Stapoffed, which is fine. Hits the dead eye on Kenny Omega. Dark Order get the win. They cheat. It's fine. Um, this was ridiculous. 
and Adam Page trying to be serious and angry was the only thing that didn't fit. All the ridiculousness, the Ghostbusters stuff, the, you know, I'm going to dress up like Tommaso Ciampa from NXT, the everybody, like, the, the, the bait and switch with who's in, who's in what costume, just the Super Elite coming out as the Ghostbusters in general was great. It was, it was as campy and done well as when they all came out as the Toon Squad a while ago. Yes, it's shameless promotion, and I'm sure they, uh, I'm sure that, T, uh, TBS or TNT have something to do with the new Ghostbusters movie that's coming out soon, and also it's Halloween, so Halloween silliness. If it happened on Raw, people would be slating this to ribbons, but we don't need to talk about that right now. This was really fun. Don't, don't let anybody tell you that this was anything other than fun, because it was mostly, mostly ridiculousness. But it was a lot of fun, and it's Halloween. You guys know I love Halloween, hence I'm going to a wrestling show on Halloween night. It's gonna be fucking good, get in, but before we get to that, there is Rampage this coming Friday, where we've got Dante Martin versus Matt Seidel 3, which I could not be paid to give a rat lizard fuck about, but we've got Baker versus Abaddon in an ODQ match, which is going to be awesome, and also very much fit the Halloween theme, and we're going to get Brian versus Kingston, and no matter what I could sit here and say right now about Brian versus Kingston, and the fact that I didn't like Brian's promo tonight, I'm not going to lie, uh, doesn't change the fact that that match is going to kick ass, we know we know that that picture got out of Tony Khan holding the the notepad with what everything that's going to happen at full gear. We know we know who's going to be in the finals of the tournament, but it's still fun to pretend that we don't. It's fine, and and what we're getting at the end of that tournament is going to be fucking fantastic. It's going to be a WWE special, but hey, that's okay because biases and stuff. Um, this is a really good show. This was better than any of the, either of the Saturday Night Dynamites, but I think they know that and do that by design, so I'll, I'll even tip my hat to them for that. I will most likely be here on Friday to talk to you guys about Rampage. I may have something to stick in between those two reviews. I don't know yet. Don't hold me to it. I probably shouldn't even say at this point because my luck this recently just hasn't been great. I will be up here either by myself or with somebody else to talk about Rampage, and I don't know what you're going to get from me for the rest of the weekend. Potentially nothing. But this has been your Dynamite review for the 27th of October, 2021. Let me know what you think down in the box below. I've been Spaz, your YWC reality check. Subscribe up there, talk down there, start a conversation, keep all these conversations going. Don't be a stranger. I will talk to each and every last one of you later, but for right now, I'm tagging out, and I'm fucking tired. Bye, guys. Thank you.